Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Bedrock, how's everybody doing? All right, good. Are you guys excited to get into the Book of Romans today? All right, good. Well, my name is Blake. If we've never met before, I'm one of the pastors here at Bedrock, and I'm really just glad that you're here this morning. We had an incredible night last night. God really moved in, and I think a very freeing and incredible way. And so, I'm excited to be with you and share God's word uh, this morning. And so. Uh, Anyone in here ever watch movies from when you were a kid uh, with your kids now and you're kind of like, what happened? Like you watch the movie and it's like you, you go back and you're like, man, when I was a kid, this was the best movie ever. And now it looks like Disney put that together in five minutes. And so uh, it's like, I don't like the old movies anymore. I don't know about you. But this week, uh, we were watching a movie uh, with my kids and, and they like to go back in you know time. And sometimes we're like, hey, you got to watch this. Like we showed our kids... Um, we showed our kids the movie The Sandlot Gang the other day, and they were all about that. Um, and then we went into The Lion King, the classic one, not the new, like, kind of, like, alive animals that can talk kind of thing, uh, but the classic. And, you know, that movie, there, there's this one line in it, we all probably know it if you're in the room, it's uh, Hakuna Matata, right? What a wonderful phrase. Don't copyright me. Uh, and so, Hakuna Matata is this, this phrase that came out, and as I was watching it, you know, it's this Simba that has this tragic moment in his past. And so he runs away, like so many of us do, from these terrible moments in our lives, and he runs away into the wilderness. And when he does, he meets this uh, warthog and a meerkat or a prairie dog, whatever that other one is, and they kind of say, hey, we got this new philosophy in life. Like, this is how you can get through life. It's this phrase, hakuna matata, and it just means no worries. And honestly, that's terrible advice. Because honestly, if you don't care about anything, then you'll feel nothing. Life really isn't about caring about anything. It's really about caring about the right thing. See, what that kind of taught us is be apathetic. Just be apathetic in life and go through life. And listen, if you don't care, then you'll never be hurt. If you don't care, you, you'll always be okay because you never really feel anything. But the reality is, is not only will you block out kind of those bad feelings, you're also going to block out all the good ones. See, you can't have your cake and eat it too in that world. If you're going to feel something, you've got to feel everything. And so really what happens to so many of us is the reason why we kind of go into this apathetic form of life is we think it's going to bring us freedom. We think, like, if I don't care and I can never be hurt, then I'm, gonna, I'm free. Like, my life is great. But what you really don't realize is, is not feeling and not caring is not freedom. It's bondage. Because you don't get to really enjoy the best parts of life or the good things in life. 
See, so the, the reality is, is like many of the things that are maybe hurting you or the things that you're avoiding, you're kind of committing this hakuna matata towards certain aspects of your past and your life. And you're looking at those things and you're saying, I, you know what, I'm just going to ignore those things. I'm not going to worry about them. But here's the reality. When we stop caring, we only make the monsters of our past bigger. They just grow. Like these things don't go away. They won't leave you alone and they grow. And so the question is, is, is how do you and I actually find freedom? That today's message is entitled, You Can Be Free. See, the secret to being okay and really being free in this life is not about not caring. It's about caring about the right things. And so as we jump into the book of Romans, we're going to be in chapter 5 today. I want us to kind of look at this idea of how you and I can actually be free in this life. How we can actually move forward and according to the gospel and according to the message of God, find some freedom so we can move forward and live this joyous life that God always promises us. But we have to remember our kind of theme for this this uh, series in the book of Romans is this one key phrase, and it goes like this. What Jesus did changes who we are and all that we do. That's kind of this idea that the book of Romans brings forward to us. What Jesus did changes who we are and now what we do. Right? Because we're not into behavior modification. We're not in here to just be moral people. We're here to be transformed people. We're here to have our hearts transformed by the word of God, through the spirit of God, by the power of God. And so as we get ready to jump into this series, who wants to talk about freedom? Who, who in here wants to get free? Who wants to move forward in life a little bit? All right, it's going to be a good morning then. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, you can open up to the book of Romans chapter 5. It's right there in the New Testament right after the Gospels. Um, and maybe today, some of you have your journals. Does anyone have a journal? Wave it. Okay, if you have your journal. Okay, some people have their journals. Um, we ran out. So if you want a journal, what it is, is it's a, can I have a journal? Rob, can you run yours up here for me real quick? Thanks, Rob. Look, he even color coordinated with his journal. And so um, what it is, it's the book of Romans, and in it is uh, the scriptures, and then on each page next to the scriptures is a place for you to take notes. It's a place for you to walk through. So our goal as a church is that one day you'll have a whole collection of these for every book of the Bible. Okay, Rob, thank you, man. I'm going to I don't want to toss it because it's the word of God. That'd be like not good. And so, um, <clears throat> so let's open up there. If you don't have a Bible with you, no worries. The, the word of God will be on the screens for you. But let's jump into the passage. So Romans chapter 5, just starting in verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, everyone say therefore. therefore. This is such an important word for you and I to pick up on when we read the Bible. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but like, because we don't necessarily have a toolbox on how to approach the Word of God, the Word of God can be really intimidating. It can be like, this is hard to deal with. This is hard to understand. But there's a couple kind of key things that you can do to help make studying the Word of God so much easier. And if you go to our YouTube page, we have this thing called Bedrock University. We have a class on how to do this. We actually filmed it right at the beginning of the pandemic because we knew people weren't coming to church anymore. So I was like, well, if they're not going to come and be fed, let's teach them how to feed themselves. And so we filmed this. It's about a five-part series. You can go through it. It will give you some really good tools to help you study the Word of God. But that word, therefore, is really important because it, it's kind of building on a previous thought. So if you just jumped in, you're like, what is he actually talking about? 
Well, last week we talked about it. The first four chapters of the book of Romans set up this scene for you and I where God helps us understand that you and I are all in the same boat. We're all living a part of life or have been in this part of life. And what Romans says is whether Jew or Gentile, everybody, according to Romans 3.23, has fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Paul goes, that's not good news. But there's better news. His name is Jesus. And in chapter 4, he begins to talk about how we are justified by faith. That word justified, like theologians like to take really simple concepts and put really big words on them to confuse us, okay? And so that word justified just means this. You're declared holy. It's a legal term. Like when a judge pronounces that you are innocent or free or not guilty. That's this kind of word that's being used. You are justified. It's like this. This is an old way of remembering. Justified is just as if I had never sinned. You're declared holy and righteous. And so what Paul's saying is, therefore, when you and I believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's some really incredible benefits that enter the situation. And that's what Paul's going to explain to us here. He says, since we've believed in Jesus Christ and by faith we received him and we are declared righteous, there's some benefits that enter our life. And he's going to say it's freedom. He says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so important because what this does is it opens up for you and I this idea that you and I are no longer enemies with God. You and I are no longer having an issue in this life. And you say, I was never an enemy of God. Romans is going to say something different. Romans is going to talk about it. And let me just tell you, that's not to make you feel bad. That's because the gospel is that good. That's because God is that good. What it means is while we were yet sinners and we were enemies with God, we're going to see this later in the passage, Christ died for you and I. And he even explains it. He says, it's, it's amazing if a person would lay down their life for a good person, but an enemy? Whoa, that's incredible. That's the God that you and I love and serve. And what Paul says is, when we do this, when we believe in Jesus, we have peace with God. And let me just tell you, like this is something I think so many of us in this world are running after right now. Right? Because I don't know about you, there's not a lot of peace going on in the world right now. There's not a lot happening that that seems good and that that seems like everything is going to be okay. But here's what you and I need to realize. There's two types of peace that enter your life when you believe in Jesus. And if you want to be free in life, you have to have peace. Right? I mean, if you don't have peace, if you don't have this sense of stability in your life, you're not going to be free because anxiety, worry, fear, guilt, shame are going to enter the situation. And how many of us know those are like our jailers and they control our lives? And so until we realize our soul is at peace with God, our eternal destiny is okay, and we believe that, you're not going to experience freedom here. You're not. And so here's what Paul says. There's two types of peace that enter our lives. The first is objective. We are no longer at war with God through our sin because of what Jesus has done for us. That's what he means. You and I, we're okay with the creator of heaven and earth that we are not at odds in pushing against God. And let me just tell you something. Just because you may not think that 
God is your enemy doesn't mean that you're not pushing against him. Anyone in here super competitive and you play a game and you're like, oh, don't worry, I'm not competitive. But in your soul and in your mind, they're your enemy. They just don't know it. And then everything they do, you're like, this is war. And they're like, I just want to play Monopoly, right? And this is, you're freaking out. Same thing. You don't have to have a declared war to be enemies. And so what happens here is, what Paul says is, look, hey, you need to know this. You are okay and you are in right standing with God because the thing that separated you, the war, the weapon that was separating us between us and God, sin, has been removed when we believe in Jesus. But here's what else that does for us. Because we objectively know we're okay, we can mentally know we're okay. We can mentally know and understand that you're okay. And how many of us need to know that? How many of us are so worried about the future because of our past, something that happened, something that may happen, all of these things? What if you just knew that your future is okay? Like nothing can separate you. Nothing can happen. Everything, it's going to be okay. That's freedom. You know, anyone in here ever watch like sporting events on replay? Ryan Peacock's here. He does. Okay. Right? Like he's, he's watching the game on replay. I do it too. But you know what? I generally know the score before I watch the replay. So you know what I'm not having an issue with? Anxiety, fear, guilt. Right? Like I'm not worried about my team or that team. Why? Because I know the end. Amen. I know the end. Right? Amen. Right? So here's the deal. Some of us are living our life in here right now. Like we don't know the end of the story. And so every little thing that enters our mind and our life and our heart kind of throws us off completely. And now all of a sudden we're in this prison to shame and guilt and fear and anxiety and worry and all of these things. And all Paul's going to say is you have peace with God. You know the end of the story. You're okay. And so what you can do is you can tell that anxiety, you can tell that worry, you can tell all of those things, like, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know that it does work out. And my God is greater than what I am facing right now, for I know where I'm going to be, and I have peace. Can you see how this equals freedom? When you don't have to worry about how it's going to work out because you know it's going to work out, you're free. You're free. I don't, I don't know, but God is good. And the world doesn't understand this. The world's going to look at you, you crazy. I'm not crazy. I just know something you don't. My soul is okay. Listen to what the Bible says. It's this idea of security. The most immediate consequence of justification, that's everything being okay because we believed in Jesus, is reconciliation. Here's what reconciliation means. Everything is okay. It's copacetic. We're back to the right thing. Hakuna Matata says, you don't need to make it okay. You just need to not worry about it. What God's going to say is, when you care about the right things, me, everything's going to be okay. We're okay. We're good. You can know right now, today, that you're okay with God. Right now. Like, it's so simple. We're going to give you an opportunity at the end of service to do that. You can be okay with God right now, eternally secure forever. So he says this, one of the amazing consequences of justification is reconciliation. Reconciliation with God brings peace with God. That peace is permanent. Permanent. You can't sin more than God can forgive. 
If you've believed in Jesus as your Savior, he didn't just save you now and for the past, but also the future. Because if you make your sin bigger than God, then sin is God. He's bigger than our sin. And it's not like God's paying on payments. God's not, God didn't put you on layaway to make sure that you behaved enough to make sure he wanted to purchase you at the end of the day. God says, when you believe in me, the payment is made in full. There's no returns. There's no take backs. There's nothing that can do this. I am greater than your sin, and there's nothing that you can do that will separate you from my love. You can have peace. It is permanent. It is irrevocable. Because Jesus Christ, through whom believers receive their reconciliation, always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7.25. For I will be merciful to their iniquities. So you can have peace with God because you know that right now, in this very moment in time, Jesus is sitting on the throne, whispering in the Father's ears on your behalf. He's saying that they're covered, they've believed, they know all of these things, and your wrath towards that thing was put towards me, and it is satisfied. And so right now in heaven, Jesus is interceding for you at every single moment of your life. He's interceding for you to the Father. You can live okay right now. You don't have to worry about the heavenly hammer coming down because you sinned. Jesus took everything. He's interceding for you. For the Lord says to those who belong to him, and I will remember your sins no more. Hebrews 8, 12 and 10, 17. If anyone is ever to be punished in the future for the sins of believers, it would have to be the one who took them on himself, Christ Jesus. And that is impossible because he's already paid the penalty in full. He paid the debt completely. It's gone. Your sin, your debt, your shame has been paid in full if you've believed in Jesus Christ. Can you see how this would bring you peace? You're okay. God's got you. He's taking care of it. This is what Charles Hodges calls the sweet quiet of the soul. This is how everyone has watched martyrs and people in this world go through certain things. I was just watching Christians in Ukraine singing underneath a bomb shelter yesterday. I watched, I was told another story of a group of Christians, about 300 of them outside, kneeling down with their hands on the shoulders of the person in front of them. And everyone was kneeling in a circle, praying in the midst of a war. That's peace. That's peace which surpasses understanding. Because it's not about what the world does to me. It's the one who's saved me. And I'm okay. And you say, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. See, some of us haven't tasted that grace yet because we haven't needed it yet. You get what I'm saying? Some of us haven't tasted that amount of grace of God to help us get through those kinds of moments. That peace which surpasses understanding because you quite haven't needed it yet. But it doesn't mean that it's not there. It doesn't mean that it's not available to you. See, when we were at peace with God and God is for us, we can have peace in any situation in our life. And so let me just put something out there. Maybe the reason that you do not have peace in your life is because you do not have peace in your soul. Let me say that again. Maybe the reason you're not experiencing peace in this life 
is because you do not have peace in your soul. And because you do not have peace in your soul, things without souls will never satisfy your need. Sex, drugs, money, cars, fun toys, camping trips, trips across the world will never satisfy your soul because your soul can only be satisfied by the one who made it. So you may be chasing peace for everything else in this world. And what you realize is, is the more and more you're dissatisfied, the more desperate you get. The more desperate you get. And so what happens is, is are, you, are you tired yet? Are you worn out yet? There is not an amount of money that will buy you peace in your soul. But God says, I can give you peace when you know me. And you won't even need money. I'll take care of everything. And so here's what, what I want you to understand. I want to visualize this today. You will never have peace here in our relationships in the world until there's peace here. See, so many of us believe this. I'm going to go make everything right in my life. I'm going to make all my relationships okay. I'm going to make sure that I'm good enough and I'm okay enough to make sure that when, when I go to God, everything's good. And God says, you don't get it. You can't have peace here until you have peace here. And when you have peace here, the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, through the love of God, through the power of God, will come down from heaven and flow through you. And you can have peace here. You will never live a free life until you have peace and your soul is at rest, knowing that sweet comfort and quiet of the soul because you know God. God says this, when you know me, there's some benefits that enter your life, and that's peace. So here's the deal. Peace is the beginning of being okay. Peace is the beginning of being okay. But it's like a domino effect of what happens in this passage. When you have peace with God and the vertical is now informing the horizontal, you can be okay. Like how many of us, like someone says something to you, someone does something to you. you, you some of you probably got cut off on the way here from another churchgoer with a sticker on their car and they cut you off and you wanted to communicate in sign language, right? And you're like, you're barely into the message right now because you're thinking about them. What if that stuff didn't bother you because you had peace in your soul? Oh, man, I'm going to pray for them. Lord, you know them too, I hope. So can you deal with that? Right? Like convict them today. Right? But here's the deal. You can be okay. You don't have to be wrecked. Your life doesn't have to be a roller coaster. You can be okay today. But here's what happens in the passage. We're going to go into verse 2. Listen to what the Bible says. Through him we have also obtained access. Everyone say the word access. Say access. This is important. We're going to get nerdy on you. But the Greek language is nerdy. You know, like, we have the word love. They have seven words for the word love. You're like, what? Yeah. They want to be so specific in the way that they describe certain things that they have seven different words for just our word love. So this word access is really important. For the readers and hearers of the time, they would have gone, oh, that's weird. What this means, it's an image of one bringing you into the royal court of a king and introducing you to the king. This is what the Bible says. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll have peace. And when you have peace, you can enter the court and you can walk right into the king because you have full access with that king. Here's what this means. 
Jesus is the one who walks us into the royal court of heaven and sets us up and says, this is the Father. You have complete and full access to him. There's nothing that separates you from him because I am the bridge between the gap between man and God. How many of us could just know that right now you can just through your prayer, through your thoughts, through the reading of the word can have access to the throne room of God? Could that bring you peace that when you feel abandoned, when you feel scared, when you feel worried, when you are hurting, when you don't understand the future, when you don't understand these things, you have access to the throne room of the Father. And when your soul is hurting, you can go right into his presence and be okay. It's like being a little kid and when you have a nightmare, you run into your parents' room and all of a sudden everything's okay. We don't have a lock on our door and our kids have to put in a code. Our kids have full access to our house into our room. Jude ran in last night. We always hear it. We hear a cry, and then we hear pitter-patter steps with a wail, and then he jumps in, and then all of a sudden the crying's done, and then we're in for the wrestling match of the night, right? I'm getting feet to the face. I mean, it's unbelievable. He has peace. I don't have peace. But here's what Paul says. He says, look, you've obtained access. You're, you're in the throne room of God, and there's nothing that is separating you from him into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, real quick, in this passage and in this time in history, Christianity is going to become illegal in Rome. And pretty soon, this guy named Nero is going to light Christians on fire to light his gardens. Pretty soon, Christians, because of their belief, are going to be thrown into the Colosseum, thrown into these different events just because they believe in Jesus. You say, like, that's the kind of peace you can have? That's the kind of joy you can have to get you through those kinds of things? 100%. See, here's the reality. Hakuna Matata doesn't work because if you don't care about something, you won't have feelings about anything. And you're not free. You're trapped. You're an emotional mess. You, have, you, you can't even be happy when good things happen because, man, if I am happy, then well, it's going to hurt so much more when it gets bad. So I'm not going to enjoy this moment. I'm not going to deal with this moment. See, we can have joy because of this. That peace of God is forever. Listen to what it says. As the apostle has already established, salvation is anchored in the past because Jesus had made peace with us for God through all that trust him. It is anchored in the present because Jesus is continually intercessing. Hebrews 7.25. Every believer now stands securely in God's grace. Next, he proclaims that salvation is also anchored in the future. Because God gives every one of his children the unchangeable promise that one day they will be clothed with his glory and of his own son. So what does that lead to? When you have peace, now you can have joy. And when you have peace, this is the second point, joy breaks through. Joy breaks through. And let me just tell you something. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is a way of being. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is the way of being. No one needs to feel happy while you're being persecuted or suffering. No one's here is going to say like, hey, you need to come into church. You need to put on a happy face because you know the Lord. 
But what we can say is, you're going to be okay. And that can make you joyous that this too shall pass. And I am going to be okay. Because I know the one who's going to make it okay. And there's a promise that I have access to the throne room of the Father. And one day, as Revelation promises, that he will wipe away every tear. And there will be no more sorrow. And no more shame. And no more fear. And no more guilt. And so you can have joy knowing what lies before you. We have this moment. So let me just say this. Your past has been dealt with. Your present is covered and your future is secure. Your past, gone. Present, secured. Future, we know it. That for you and I is joy. And that's freedom. Because you and I can live through anything that this life puts before us. Anything that is going to go on in our life. We are going to be okay and we can have joy because we care about the right thing. See, you want freedom? you got to care about the right things. And when you care about God, you're completely cared for. Let me give you an example. This next part of the passage, Romans 3 to 5, or 5, 3 to 5, is hard for us to deal with. Well, a lot of us wish that those verses weren't in there. Why'd you have to mention suffering? I thought that this was like, everything's going to be okay. Stop living like this earth is heaven. But you can have the benefits of heaven on this earth. You can live like it's okay. You can have freedom like it's going to be okay. Not because we're in heaven yet, because we'll be there. And so here's what happens. You say, man, I don't want this suffering stuff. This stuff is awful. But Paul says, look, your pain will have purpose. And when your pain has purpose, it's no longer pain. It's just something that happened. So I want to give you a story. Uh, there's a picture. Whoever's running pro presenter, can you throw up a picture? Okay. That's Scout. That's our, our third youngest. That's Scouty girl, okay? She's five years old right now. Um, but her arriving on this earth was not easy. Uh, her story is hard. So I want to illustrate maybe how this works. So when we found out we were pregnant with Scout, it was, it was the first kid we tried for. Okay, and I know there's some people in this room that that was like, oh, that hurts. I'm sorry. And I know that this is hard. And some of you have lost kids, and some of you have had miscarriages. And I, I, I want to be sensitive to all that, but I need to share this story. And so what happened in this story is... Um, it took us a really long time to get pregnant with Scout, but when we did, we, we, were, we were thrilled. But about seven weeks into the pregnancy, Kelsey, I get a call from Kelsey, um, and she's like, I, I'm on my way to the doctor right now. I'm, ble- I'm bleeding heavily, and um, I think we, we lost the baby. And I'm like, okay, I was in a meeting. I just like walked out, just boom, okay. And they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I got to go. I just left. So I get there. And when I get there, they had already, you know, put her on the machine, and they're like, okay, everything's okay. It looks like everything's fine. Um, they're like, we're not sure why you're bleeding, but it, right now the baby's okay. So we were like, okay, what does this mean? And, and some of them think, you know, we, we've been told a million different things, but one of them is that that was possibly Scout's twin who was trying to make it and didn't. And so, um, so what happened, though, is it was in um, – Kelsey's, if this is too graphic, I'm sorry, but this is a story. In her placenta, this kind of thing began to to happen. And when we went in for our next check, they noticed that there was this growth happening inside Kelsey's placenta near the umbilical cord. And they started to get really nervous about that. 
And I don't know about you, but nothing can steal your happiness than when your kids aren't okay. And when, when something's not going well with your pregnancy. And so I, um, we asked, like, well, what does this mean? And they said, actually, this, I think this is a little bit beyond our scope. You're going to have to go to UVA, University of Virginia, to their research hospital. And when you have to go to UVA, it's just not good. It's not a great day. That's not the hospital you want to hear about. And so um, we began to have to go to UVA. And, I mean, there was all kinds of complications that could enter. Like the growth could grow and pinch off the umbilical cord and Scout wouldn't get the nutrients she needed. It could be a sign of downs. I mean, there, there was just a lot going on in this scenario. And so every, I mean, this was probably one of the hardest times of our life. Like, because every week and every day and everything, we're wondering what's going on. And that growth got bigger and bigger. Every time we went back, it was bigger. And so we were, it was just a constant anxiety of what was going to happen. And we were, we were suffering in our souls because we were so worried because they, they couldn't give us full assurance that it was going to be okay. And so we just prayed a lot in this season. We sought God a ton in this season, and we began to, to really seek him in this moment. And what happened is, is as we got to the delivery of Scout, um, that growth had grown over the size of like a, a softball or uh, a grapefruit. And so UVA actually was like, hey, we'd like to take this when you have the baby, and we want to study it. We've never really seen this before. We, we want to understand this. And so we already had this kind of traumatic moment for months dealing with this pregnancy. And then as Kelsey was giving birth, something happened. And um, her body stopped contracting. And so when Scout was born, um, and then, you know, the afterbirth and everything, which was already hard because there's this softball-sized thing in there, um, Kelsey's body didn't contract. And when your body doesn't contract after you give birth, you basically hemorrhage. And Kelsey was hemorrhaging before my very eyes. She was actually turning gray. And they would push on, I mean, there's, not to be graphic, I mean, just a lot going on, lots of blood everywhere. And I remember calling my dad. I had to step out of the room. And as I was stepping out, hordes of people were running into the room. Because not only that, Scout had meconium which can cause huge breathing issues for the baby. So there's a crash cart NICU team in there for her. And now there's this crash cart team in here for my wife. And all of a sudden, um, I walked out. I called my dad. My dad's a doctor. And I said, Dad, it isn't, uh, it's not going very well. Because my mom, she'll tell this story. She's like, I was mad. They hadn't sent any pictures yet. And so I was like, oh, okay. Well, she almost died, right? Like, And so... <laughs> uh, it's funny now. It wasn't funny then. But, and I just called my dad and I said, Dad, um, I think Kelsey's dying. And I think, um, I think I'm going to be a single dad with three girls. And he just said on the phone, he said, like, they're experts. Let them do what they do. Well, Kelsey, they couldn't get an IV into Kelsey. So she lost, at the end of the day, over half her blood supply. And... Uh, this nurse was in there, and I mean, Kelsey was, like, she was gray, and she kept telling us her ears were static, which is a sign that the body's starting to pull blood to the vital organs because we're running out of blood. And, um, and so I was, like, watching my wife die. And um, this nurse, they tried Pitocin, they tried everything. 
And this nurse goes, you know what, I'm going to give this one more shot. Let me see if I can get a vein. Because Kelsey's blood pressure was 60 over 30. So her veins were collapsing. And I just, like, prayed. Like, just not, not like an eloquent prayer. It was just make it happen. And uh, they got the vein. And then, like, we're trying to keep Kelsey awake. Like, hey, what's the baby's name? Hey, what, what, like, what, what's her, like, how do you spell it? And Kelsey was like, I, I know how to spell it. And we're like, we're trying to keep you alive. Just spell it, okay, right? And so they got the, and so I bought her a steak after that, right, because she needed iron. So Kelsey got a steak. But at the end of the day, Scout obviously is okay. There's our Scouty girl. Um, but, man, that was a trial. That was suffering for an extended period of time. And then she was okay until she was about three years old. And when she was three years old, Scout began to get sick at the end of every single month. She would just vomit and be really sick. And it was actually, there was a night early on in the church plant. We all, like, you guys are massive compared to where we started. I was at, it was a Saturday night. Scout was sick. She passed out, like, in the shower, laying on the shower floor, sleeping, because her body's, something's going on. And, um... And I go to church, and that night there was 15 people there. And my wife wasn't there because she was at the emergency room with our daughter. And uh, when we got, they got there, they tested her blood. Her celiac markers, which is gluten in your body, was like through the roof. You should be at like a 4. She was at a 75. They're like, yeah, she has celiac disease. And so they're like, what do we do? They're like, you're going to need to go to All Children's up in St. Pete. They're going to have to do an endoscopy. They're going to have to do this. And, like, I'm thankful that there's hospitals like that, but just no parent wants to go to the hospital like that. And uh, I remember that um, we're in the room. We're with her. She doesn't know what's going on. She's three. And then there's this point where the nurses and doctors come in, and they tell you they're going to take your kid back. And you can't go back. And so you like watch your scared little girl she could she didn't even want to be in the bed the nurse had to carry her and she's crying to me and Kelsey like what is going on and then she's going to go be put to sleep and they're going to test and look at her intestines and I know there's like much more dangerous things in the world but there's no promise she's going to wake up and Kelsey and I like we're bawling and then we go to the room. We just stayed in that room. And this like, nurse came, and she was so nice. And they kept updated us constantly, which was so nice. But I just remember we were both like, what do we do? What do we do right now? This is so out of our hands. And like the spirit of the Lord just entered the situation, and we said, remember how I got her here? Remember how she was born? Remember all the things that I've brought her through? I'm going to bring her through this too. And all of a sudden, all of the previous suffering and pain created endurance for us and faith in us. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, entered our heart. And we were free in that moment. Because we knew, no matter what, she was going to be okay. You'll see her after church. She runs around. She's wild. She's, got the, she's like the most like, stubborn child there is. She told her art teacher the other day, they were doing Pictionary. And the teacher said, draw a car. And she looked at her and said, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> we were like, 
what? You got to do this. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. So here's what this means. Here's what Paul's promise is why you can be free. Because the suffering that you go through has purpose to get you through the next thing. And you can be free. You don't have to be overwhelmed. And some of you are facing in this room overwhelming situations. And God says, I'm not promising you those won't ever come. I'm promising you with me we'll get through this. And here's what this means. Even these words, that word character in the Greek literally means that you are, this denotes this idea of being proven in trial. And proven in hardship. And that word hope, it's not this superficial optimism that everything's always going to be good. It's a, it's a true optimism that it's going to be okay. And there's a difference. And so what Paul says to you and I is, you and I can be free because we have peace. And when we have peace, we have joy. And joy is not circumstantial. It is a way of being. And because we know God and we know everything is going to be okay, no matter what you face, you can be okay. You can make it through it. You can be sad. You can be hurting. You don't have to come in here and have a fake smile. But you can be okay. You're free. Your life and your happiness and your being okay is no longer dictated on how things work out. It's knowing the one who's going to work it out. And so what you can do when you face something that is destroying your soul. So I don't know, but I know the one who can. And I'm okay. And the world goes, that's weird. And you go, I know. It's like it's divine. It's like out of this world. It's not from here. See, when you care about the right things, you can be free. And if you care about Christ and the one who never changes, you'll always be okay. Because you're standing on the surest foundation. And as we get ready to end this morning, there's another benefit that enters the situation. Does anyone want to know the final benefit? I said, anybody want to know the final benefit? I got to make sure you're with me, church. Come on, we got something good going on here. All right, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. This is what Paul says. Because some of you think the love of God is unbelievable. And here's what Paul says. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Verse 10, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And he says there's more than that. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Here's what Paul means. When we have peace with God, the joy of God can enter our life, which is not circumstantial. It can be a state of being. And when that happens, hope invades. Hope invades the situation. Hope invades our lives. And here's why that matters. This is what Paul is saying. Paul wants to put an emphasis on all of this. And here's what he means. We can have hope because when we were at our worst, Jesus was at his best. When we were at our worst, in our worst moment, in our worst trial, in our worst things, in, in the worst things that we've ever done or the worst things that have ever been done to us, Jesus is at his best. And so when you were at your worst is when Jesus died for you, is when Jesus came for you. And so when you, you're better certainly than your worst right now, and so that means that the love of God never leaves you. 
If Jesus would die for you at your worst, then he's certainly going to be with you as you're getting better. That's why the Bible says at the exact right moment. What's the exact right moment? When it's its worst. The hero of our soul entered into our situation and goes, I'm taking that. I'm buying that. I'm purchasing that. I am going to take care of that. Like this is mine and they no longer have to worry. Romans 5, 8 and verse 10. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, messed up, jacked up, all kinds of things, doing all these kinds of things, while we were enemies with God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? If God wanted us while we were enemies, how much more does he want us when we are sons and daughters? You want to be free? Become a son and daughter. You want to be free? You got to have the peace which surpasses understanding. So that means this. Nothing in this world will give you that kind of peace. You want to be free? You got to have joy that's beyond circumstance. And the only thing that can do that is something that is beyond your circumstance. You want to be free? You need to have the hope of heaven and the hope of his son. And this is what Paul means. You know why you'll never be put to shame and your hope will never be put to shame? Because you're believing in the surest thing in the world. You'll never be embarrassed because you believe in God. And so let me just ask us all this, because here, here's what Paul says. This is what happens. This is the benefit of everything. When this happens, when you and I believe in Jesus Christ and are justified, by faith, freedom reigns. Freedom reigns. So how does this change the way that you and I live? It changes everything in the way we live. Because what Jesus did changes who we are and all that we do. And so this morning as we get ready to end, John's going to come up. We're going to worship because that's, I think, the only proper response. And how do you worship? You don't just have to sing a song. You can come down here and pray. You can do whatever you want. But some of you need to be introduced to this idea. There's a board out there with red paper and blue paper in it. The red paper represents an area in our life that we need breakthrough. And all I'm going to ask is, like, if you need breakthrough in an area of your life, you just write one word on here. You write that word. I have finances, marriage, relationships, past, my, my mental health, whatever it is, you need breakthrough. And here's what God says. When you believe in Jesus and you are justified by faith, he is the breakthrough. And he will overtake everything that you are facing. And you can be okay because you have a hope, you have a joy, and you have a peace that is beyond this world. And then when you get your breakthrough, I just want you to write it down and replace any one of the red papers with a blue paper. Because here's the deal. Somebody in this church needs to see that God is working in your life so they can believe that he'll work in his too. This isn't just for you. This is for us, all of us. And here's the deal. When you take that red piece of paper out, don't throw it away. And you're like, Pastor, it's not my paper. I know that's on purpose because now I want you to pray for their breakthrough. I want you to pray with that person. You don't even know who it was. And you're going to pray for their breakthrough, that they will experience this kind of life, a life where freedom reigns. And so as we end this morning, 
I have a question. Are you free? Are you free? Is your soul free? Or are you captured by these thoughts and these worries and this anger and this fear and this guilt and this doubt and this anxiety because your soul's not okay yet. You, you don't know the end. And if you don't know the end, I, I feel for you because that's scary, especially in days like this. But you can know today without a shadow of a doubt where your soul will be and where you will be for eternity. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus lived for us and he died for us and he rose again, that we will be saved and we will be free. And all we do is receive it by faith. And God takes all those things and he put them on Jesus and he took all the goodness and righteousness of Jesus and put it on you. That can be you today. And so just for a second with every head bowed, eyes closed, and we do this because this is just a moment for you and God. That's it. If you in this, you're in this room and you say, for the very first time in my life, I want that life. I want a freedom life. And you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the very first time in your life. Would you just raise your hand? It's just a way of acknowledging to God, like, that's me. I want that. But if you're in this room, and you know Jesus as the Savior of your soul, but you're not living like he saved your soul, and you just want some freedom, you want to move forward in your faith and move forward in your life and be a free people, and you just need prayer right now, would you just raise your hand all over the room? All over the room. Church, this is our freedom song. This is our hope. This is our peace. This is our joy. And it all comes by faith. Faith in the one who declared our soul righteous because of what his son did. Thank you for jumping into today's message. And we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you. And please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.